us to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And for the purpose of our discussion this morning, we are going to be reading and reviewing together. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 22, and reading all the way through to Galatians 6, verse 2. To Galatians 6, verse 2. There's this short passage that I want to highlight for us this morning, but I want to keep that passage in its proper biblical context. What what we're really going to be studying this morning is is verses 25 of chapter 5 all the way to verse 2 of chapter 6, but but I want us to, to read that passage in context so we can understand fully the message that Paul has to the people of God this morning. Amen? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. If you've arrived there in your Bible, announce your arrival by saying amen. Amen. If you need another minute, say, I need another minute. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. There's Genesis and there's Revelation. Somewhere in between those two books is Galatians. (laughs) I know it's closer to Revelation than it is to Genesis. So if you're in Habakkuk or somewhere, you need to keep on going. Keep on going. Galatians chapter 5, I'm I'm reading out of the NIV, God's Word, but if if it says Bible on the cover and it has 66 books in it, then whatever version you're reading, I'm sure is fine. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22, my Bible reads this way. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. I want to highlight four verses in that passage that we just read, beginning in verse 25. Let me read it over again. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, that's every confessing Christian in here, should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves again to every confessing Christian in here, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens again, every confessing Christian in here, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Will you pray with me this morning? Father God, thank you for your word. Teach us great and incredible truths contained in your word that our lives may be changed and you would be glorified. And and our prayer this morning is this, is that as your word is explained, 
your son Jesus may be exalted. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all who are God's people said, Amen. I've got a bone to pick with a lot of you in here. I've, I've got a personal vendetta against a lot of you sitting in this sanctuary this morning. You've been talking about a friend of mine spreading false and salacious rumors about him. And my purpose this morning is to come do something about it. See, I don't, I don't like it when people tell lies about my friend. These lies have been perpetrated in, in settings just like this, with religious people just like this, who are gathered together in an assembly just like this. And then all of a sudden, the music will start blaring. The drums will start beating. And then people just like us will lose their mind. <laughs> They'll stand up, begin running around the sanctuary, jumping up and down, convulsing like they're having some type of epileptic seizure. <laughs> and when these shenanigans are done, as an explanation for their strange behavior, they will look at someone and say, the spirit got me today. <laughs> for whatever reason, people just like us in settings just like this one, when they need an excuse to act all wild and odd, they blame it on the spirit. And I just don't like that. <laughs> yes, it is true that the spirit of God is, is an important element in the worship of God among the people of God. He causes us to see the glory of God, which leads us into worship. But no, the spirit is not always responsible for the strange and odd behavior that occurs in spiritual settings just like this one. It takes more than just jumping up, running around, shaking to be spiritual. Paul's letter to the Galatians is perhaps the most controversial and combative letter that Paul ever wrote to any church. Let me give you the history of, of Paul's influence with the church in Galatia. Paul founded the church in Galatia, and he preached the very same message, the very same gospel that he preached to every other church that he ever founded, that Jesus died for your sins. And by believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, God is giving you the opportunity to spend an eternity with him. That by the sacrificial and substitutionary work of Jesus, you can be saved. This was Paul's message, not just to the Galatians, but to every church and every person that he encountered. And he preached this message 
to the church in Galatia. And many people believed and, and came to faith in the Christ that Paul professed. But then Paul left. And a group of troublemakers infiltrated the church in Galatia. And they began to say that on top of believing in Jesus, you need to perform certain specific acts. These acts were the Jewish ceremonial laws and, and purity laws, such as keeping the Sabbath and, and eating the right food. When Paul hears about this, that these troublemakers were insisting that the Galatian church had to do something on top of believing in Jesus to become saved. Paul becomes furious. Paul, Paul sees any requirement that is above believing in Jesus for your salvation as being a return to bondage. And he calls the Galatians in Galatians 3.1, foolish Galatians, for even thinking about moving away from the gospel that Paul preached. The, the basic theme of the letter of Galatians is freedom. Christ has liberated the Galatians and us from our enslavement to sin. Christ has freed us from our bondage to the law, and Christ has rescued us from the power of the devil. And in Galatians 1.4, Paul writes that Christ gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Christ has freed us from Satan, self, and the law. And any attempt to return to a life led under the law for Paul is a return to slavery. And Abraham Lincoln on September 22nd, 1862, delivered what wrote, signed what, what was one of the most important bills in the history of, of America. It's, it's a bill known as the Emancipation Proclamation. It declared that all states that do not return to the Union by 1863, that if they held slaves in that state, those slaves would immediately become free. On New Year's Day, 1863, 10 states refused to return to the Union, which meant all the slaves in those states were immediately free. The only problem was that the Union could not enforce this law. It took a whole war, some of you may remember it from history class, the Civil War, and the Union won, and then the slaves were officially free. But news of their freedom did not reach the slaves right away. Get this. There were some slaves who were legally free, but because they didn't know they were free, they were still living a life of bondage. In fact, in Texas, it was almost a year after these slaves were free did news get to them of their freedom. Texans celebrate this holiday known as Juneteenth because on June 19, 1865, a, a Union general by the name of Gordon Granger led 2,000 soldiers to Galveston, Texas to take possession of that state. 
And on Galveston, in a, uh, in a plantation in Galveston, he stood up and, and declared this. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance to the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. They, they, they were free before then. They were just now finding out about their freedom. Could, could you imagine being one of those slaves who were free for a, a year and not knowing that you were free and the slave masters continuing to let you live a life of bondage? Could you imagine what you would say to those slave masters? Man, get up off me! <laughs> I ain't picking no more cotton. I'm free! And, and, and this is the letter of Galatians, what it should do for us when it comes to people who insist on us keeping the law. We should take to them, God has already given us our emancipation proclamation. Get up off me. I am free in Christ. But being free in Christ does not mean that you are free to live life any way you want to. Freedom comes with responsibility. And beginning in Galatians 5, chapter 1, Paul, through a series of exhortations, will show the Galatians what true freedom means for, for Paul. Freedom is living life the way God intended it. Freedom means being liberated from destructive behavior. Paul writes in Galatians 5.15, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. For, for Paul, freedom is living life according to the Spirit. You cannot know freedom unless you know God's Spirit. You, you cannot live free unless you experience freedom through the Spirit of God. Freedom means, and, and this is my sermon in a sentence, is living life being guided by the Spirit of God. Galatians 5, 25 through Galatians 6, 5. Paul is giving the Galatians a description of what it means to be spiritual. You were born again by the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit of God that opened your eyes so that you can see and experience the glory of God. You came to faith in Jesus because of the Spirit's working in your life. Remember in Matthew 16, when Peter made this amazing confession of Jesus, he, he said about Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and remember what Jesus told Peter? You weren't smart enough, Peter, to get that on your own. <laughs> My Father had to reveal that to you, and the same is true for all of us. We are not smart enough to see God for who he is on our own. It's the Spirit of God that enables us to see the glory of God. And in Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul writes that no one can say Jesus is Lord by the Spirit of God. We are saved because God's Spirit made it possible. But just because you are saved 
does not mean you are spiritual. Amen. <laughs> just in case some of you missed it. Just in case you, just because you are saved doesn't mean that you are living life guided by the Spirit of God. We, we know too many people who are saved who aren't living a spiritual life. People who are saved by the Spirit of God are not just spiritual. We have to surrender ourselves to the Spirit of God in order for us to become saved and spiritual. And denying that salvation automatically entails spirituality. Paul is saying something about the nature of how the Spirit operates. God has made the Spirit available to all of us. The Spirit is here. He is available. But just because the Spirit is available does not mean that the Spirit will automatically be applied. That we have to surrender ourselves first to the Spirit in order for the Spirit that God has made available for that Spirit to be applied to our lives. The, the Spirit of God will not overwhelm, override, and overcome our will. The Spirit of God is not Pepe Le Pew. You, 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 you do remember Pepe Le Pew, don't you? Pepe Le Pew was that, was that cartoon skunk, that French skunk, who fell in love with what he thought was a female skunk, but it really wasn't a female skunk. It was a black cat that somehow had this white stripe painted down her back. And Pepe Le Pew chased this black cat all over the place professing his love for her, but, but Pepe Le Pew had two serious problems. First, he was kind of stink. He, he was a skunk. <laughs> he had this odor that repelled everyone, including women, and, and, and Pepe Le Pew was, was a bit guilty of sexual harassment. <laughs> Remember how he would try to force himself on that woman? And that cat would do any and everything to deny his advances, even to the point of becoming <laughs> even to the point of becoming extremely physical with him. But Pepe Le Pew would not take no for an answer. The Spirit is not Pepe Le Pew. If you deny his advances, he will take no for an answer. So Paul, in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, has to remind the Galatians that true spirituality does not simply mean being saved. Being spiritual means surrendering your life to the Spirit and living consistent with the type of life the Spirit calls you to live. And in Galatians 5, verse 25, Paul says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What Paul is saying is that as the Spirit leads, we who are spiritual should follow. 
It's almost as if the, the spirit and his people are involved in this two-step, this dance, this waltz. And for any of us who've ever danced with someone else, we know that it's impossible to dance effectively if two people try to lead. If two people try to lead a dance, if two people try to lead a two-step, here's what's going to happen. You are both going to start stepping on each other's feet. Now, in order to avoid this spiritual two-step being a dance where both of you are stepping on each other's feet, Paul says, you have to surrender your life to the Spirit and let him lead. Here, here's what he's saying. If you want your two-step with the Spirit to look all smooth and good, if you want your two-step to be something that other people admire, when they see you dancing with the Spirit, you let the Spirit move. When the Spirit moves, you move. Just like that. <laughs> what follows is a series of, of illustrations of what true spirituality looks like. Here's what it means to, to, to let the Spirit lead the two-step, the dance that you two have going on. First, it means that you are not conceited. That, that word conceited is actually a compound word in the Greek. It means empty glory. What Paul is saying is that if the Spirit is going to lead your life, you have to be careful that your head is not filled with empty glory, where you begin to provoke other people by confessing your spirituality, your superior spirituality, where you begin to provoke and get other people aggravated by saying how much better you are than they are. Paul says that. Here's just one example of what true spirituality looks like. One example of what true spirituality looks like is that you and I practice humility. We are not filled with empty glory where we think we are better than, what, than other people. Here's another example of what true spirituality looks like. Here's another example of, of what living by the Spirit, letting the Spirit lead in this dance, this waltz, this two-step that you and him are engaged in. Paul says in Galatians 6, verse 1, that if someone is caught in sin, what, what Paul is doing is presenting a scenario. That word caught means to be unexpectedly discovered. He's not talking about, about someone who is addicted to sin and you know about it. He's saying that if someone is unexpectedly discovered in a sin that he does not want anybody else to know about. Let, let's flesh out this scenario. So, so suppose you're, you're out of town one day and you see someone from this church who you know is married hugged up with some other person at a restaurant. That's what Paul is talking about. So, so, so suppose you're, you're somewhere and you see someone doing something that you know they should not be doing 
and you just happen to see him. Let, let, let me give you a, a scenario. So, so, suppose you're, you're out in midtown Manhattan one day. You're, you're out in Battery Park, Tribeca, downtown somewhere, and, and you're walking down the street, and there are slew of businesses there. You, you know, you just got through shopping, and, and you pass by this strip club. And guess who you see coming out this strip club? You, you, you see me and Pastor Edwin walking out the strip club. <laughs> now, we peek our head out the strip club. We look right, we look left, and when we think the coast is clear, <laughs> we walk out. We, you see us but we don't see you, and, and remind you, this is hypothetical, because me and Edwin would never go to a strip club together in New York City. <laughs> this is all hypothetical. What do you do if you see that, what do you do if you observe someone caught in a sin that they do not want other people to discover? Paul prescribes the, the actions that a spiritual person should take. Someone who is led by the Spirit, who is not conceited, whose head is not filled with empty glory, the, the behavior Paul prescribes is in the second part of verse 1. And, and what is incredible about what Paul prescribes is what he doesn't say as much as what he does say. Paul doesn't say, pick up the phone <laughs> and call your best friend and be like, oh, girl, <laughs> you wouldn't believe who I just saw coming out of Tootsie's today. He, he doesn't say, begin to spread rumors about that person. He doesn't say, try to act like you're super spiritual and call people and say, we need to pray for our pastor. He's caught in a sin. Paul doesn't say that you should use this opportunity to try to exalt yourself. <laughs> He's such a hypocrite. I'm, I'm so glad I'm not like that. Paul, Paul, Paul doesn't say, any of those things. Rather, Paul says that the spiritual person, get this, what they should do is attempt to restore that person gently. Restore that person gently. Here's, here's how you know if you're spiritual. Because remember, there's a difference between being saved and also being spiritual. You can be saved and still be battling with the Spirit for control of your life. If you surrendered your life to the Spirit, spiritual people take responsibility for other Christians in restoring them back into the fold. That's you just missed your amen moment right there. Spiritual people take responsibility for bringing fallen sheep back into the fold. 
And that word restore means to bring someone back to rights. It's a picture of a bone being broken and someone setting the bone back in place. There is no division in the spirit. And when people sin, the spirit grieves and sin causes a division. And because the spirit does not like to see division, people who are spiritual take the responsibility of setting brokenness back into place and, and to ensure that we have a proper understanding of what this restoration look like, Paul says that it should be done how? Gently, gently. That you shouldn't yell at, discourage, provoke people with their sin, but rather your goal is healing, mending a broken bone, so you encourage love bring people back to the fold. I've seen too many churches do this the wrong way. <laughs> when, when people have been caught in the sin and because they don't want to live out the reality of Galatians 6.1 in their lives, those people who had an opportunity for restoration leave churches because we don't do it gently. And it's not that Paul does not believe in church discipline. Paul absolutely believes in church discipline. And in the book of Corinthians, Paul says that the unrepentant son who's continuing to sleep with his father's new bride should be kicked out of the church, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, 5, hand this man over so that sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. Paul believed in church discipline, but only as a last resort. If that someone is unrepentant and is insisting on his unrepentant lifestyle, then you have to practice church discipline. But before that, we as a people of God need to practice restoration. About five and a half years ago, I became the pastor of, of Central Baptist Church. And and, you know, there, there, there was one story that convinced me when they made the offer to me that this is the church that God had called me to pastor. When they told me my salary, I was like, oh, my Lord, <laughs> you sure this is the church you want me to pastor? When, when, when I went and, and, and found New York and it, it, it was during the wintertime, it was cold, I'm a Miami boy, I was like, Lord, you sure <laughs> you, you want me to move from, from, from the nice hot weather to New York in, in the middle of the wintertime, but, but then I heard this story. It's, it's a story that many of you leaders know, and, and I think it's a shining moment in the history of Central. About seven, eight years ago, before I ever became the pastor of Central Baptist Church, we, our financial secretary embezzled tens of thousands of dollars from the church that nobody knew about. He embezzled tens and thousands of dollars from the church, tens and thousands of dollars that, that could have went to missions, tens and thousands of dollars that could have went to evangelism, tens and, and thousands of dollars that could have been given to the work of God all over the city. He took that money and put it in his pocket, and he didn't tell anyone about it, and months and months 
and months later, he was caught. And then I heard the story of, of how the church and the elders responded. The, the church had a decision to make. Because of the amount of money he had embezzled, we could have immediately called the cops and had him thrown in jail right away. But instead, the church lived out Galatians 6.1 in the life of this man. They didn't prosecute him. Instead, they, they attempted to restore this man. They, they, of course, said you have to repay what you owe, but repay it as God blesses you. And, and now here's the good news of Galatians 6.1. This man today has fully repaid the money that he stole from the church. God has blessed his business. He is now married, and he is married to a woman who has a child who's severely disabled, and he is the father to a severely disabled child. He is now part of a new congregation, and he is a leader, a teacher in that new congregation. And, and let me tell you, that doesn't happen unless you practice Galatians 6.1. We could have ruined this man's life completely, but instead of ruining his life, the church chose to restore him gently. And now his life is better because of it. Spiritual people see an opportunity in sin to restore individuals. You, you just missed your shouting point again. Spiritual people in sin don't see an opportunity to exalt themselves. Spiritual people see an opportunity to restore others. But, but there's also a warning. Paul says, but, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. And again, this, this warning is a warning against pride. As you are working to restore other people, you may even become tempted to believe that you're not susceptible to sin yourself. But the reality is that you may be restoring somebody one day, and the next day you may, may be in need of restoration. So in the restoring process, Paul says, approach that individual with humility, knowing that it could be you the next day. Some of you may remember the story of, of Jimmy Swaggart. He was the most successful televangelist of the 1980s. The Jimmy Swaggart Ministries, at its largest point, was, getting, was bringing in, get this, 100 and $50 million annually. Every week, his television show, the, the Jimmy Swagger telecast, attracted over 8 million viewers. But yet, Jimmy Swagger forgot about Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Jimmy Swagger, as, as some of you may remember, he was the one who, who outed a guy by the name of Marvin Gorman. Marvin Gorman was, was a pastor right next door to Jimmy Swaggart. His church was growing just as Jimmy Swaggart's church was growing. 
And Jimmy Swaggart found out that this man, Marvin Gorman, was having an extramarital affair. Jimmy Swaggart did not try to restore this man gently, but Jimmy Swaggart told the whole world that Marvin Gorman was having this affair. He, he called the leaders of his denomination and insisted that Marvin Gorman be put out of his church immediately. There was no attempt at restoration on the part of Jimmy Swaggart. Gorman never forgot what Swaggart did. So a year after he was put out of his church, he was, he was put out of ministry, Gorman hired a private detective to follow Jimmy Swaggart. And, <laughs> and guess what that private detective discovered that Jimmy Swaggart was doing? Just as Marvin Gorman was having a series of extramarital affairs, Jimmy Swaggart was also having a series of extramarital affairs. For, for those of you who, who grew up in the 80s, you will all remember Jimmy Swaggart standing in front of the television cameras. I have sinned! I have sinned! And Jimmy Swaggart's story is a real live illustration of Galatians 6.1. Be careful in what you do. Be careful in how you restore people. Be, be careful. Always let humility guide you. Because what someone else is guilty of today, you may be guilty of tomorrow. Paul warns us. to watch ourselves. And he sums up spiritual living, I believe, in, in Galatians 6.2. He says the responsibility ultimately of spiritual people, those who are saved and surrendered to the Spirit, is that we carry each other's burdens. I'm through. I, I, I've been working out. I've been going to the gym been trying to get thick, you know, looking all good, getting that summertime body ready. I'm, I'm, I'm determined that next year I'm going to be on the beach with, with nothing but a Speedo on. <laughs> Six-pack and everything. I, I, I don't care what people say. So I've been working with a trainer, and he, and he gives me these exercises to do one. One day I, I was working out by myself, and the trainer was not available. So, so I put on the weight and, and got up the weight and I started pushing, pushing, pushing. And for all of you who've ever worked out, you know there, there comes a point in time where you're pushing and, and you're wondering, can I get one more? I convinced myself that I could get one more. But guess what happened? I couldn't get one more. <laughs> The weight was on my chest, and I was pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. It was not moving. And there was like 30 people in the gym, so I didn't want to scream like a little girl, help me! Help me! But fortunately for me, there, there was someone who was paying attention. And he came behind me, and he lifted the weight off my chest. And this is what Paul is saying. That's what spiritual people do. All of us in this Christian life are forced to lift a weight that we cannot carry. 
in order to carry the responsibility of being a Christian, you will need help. Spiritual people, look around for people who are in need of help and lift that burden off their chest. Can you pray with me? Father, I pray that in this house, Lord God, this morning, that you would create a slew of spiritual people whose desire in life is simply to encourage, restore, and carry each other's burdens so that we may all get to the same place in Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.